You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Okay, there we go. How are we doing, people? Eight o'clock. Welcome to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. How are you? Good evening to you. If you're joining us from somewhere where it's evening, but we are getting, when I look at the downloads for the podcast, people who are listening to the recording, um, it's great. Thank you very much. If you're joining us from Canada, from um, the United States, from um, New Zealand, Australia, India, um, wicked. Um, it's uh, really nice to think that we are breaking the boundaries, um, which our government does so hard to try and set up. But it's really good. Really nice without getting too political. So I hope you're well um, and um, looking forward to this session because I am rubbing my trousers in case you can't see what I'm doing on the screen. Um, it's episode 44. And for the first time in podcast history i've checked joe rogan's never done it bisping's never done it what a great documentary the bisping one i recommend you watch that if you like a bit of mma but anyway um um uh, none of them adam buxton hasn't done it a guest has returned the week afterwards two guests in this sense and uh yeah we're really excited that they did have time in their busy schedules and um, because last week um with the shockwave therapy shockwave therapy part one there were so many questions and it was great and it was a little bit of testing the water. We had some people in the room, including me, who wanted to clear up um, a lot of the stuff we see on social media in particular about there's no evidence for it. What's the difference between it and ultrasound? Are we just banging a new drum? What about the placebo or context effect and all that sort of stuff? So we did quite a lot of that last week. If you haven't heard it, then I, I would recommend that you either go to YouTube to our channel to watch it. Um, Personally, I'm quite visual. I like watching. I like seeing the speakers um, and I like seeing the reactions, the laughter and the tears sometimes. Um, so, yeah, it is all on YouTube. But if you prefer the audio whilst you're running or something, then you can go and listen to the audio on any good podcast app. OK, so that would be 43. I um, mean, it's probably worth doing that uh, because it will give you a little bit of info, which we won't necessarily cover again this evening. Um, if you do enjoy it, by the way, I'm just going to say this quickly. Do please leave a rating, leave a review. It takes 20 seconds if you're on um, an iPhone because it's just part of your app. If you're on Android, it's a bit more of a, of a, a pain because you have to go into iTunes as far as I know. But um, amazing if you can do it. That's the way you show your support. We don't ask for money or anything. It's just you helping us get this word out to more people. So if you can do that, that'd be great. Um, also, just uh, to remind you that during the lockdown, um, which is still kind of happening. We're hoping things maybe shift, but for the moment, STA is doing um, a student membership for one pound uh, for two months. So it's, it's brought it completely down. If you're a little bit brassic and you still want some membership and you still want access to the great stuff we're putting on the new website and everything, pound a month for a couple of months, and then we'll see where we are then. Um, and you've also got, if you're if you're a fully qualified therapist, you've got ten pound a month for a couple of months um, to keep you in the know um, if you like to uh, kind of be able to get through to our members only um, information. Um, and then even after the, if we do go back or when, sorry, let's be positive, when we do go back to normal membership prices, um, then you're still, I push you to find something cheaper and better quality. It's very rare you get that mixture. I'm really excited actually to announce that in the not too distant future, I can't remember the date of it now, but we're going to have um, Mr. Balins himself of Balins Insurance, isn't that amazing, um, on here on the show to talk about all things insurance for soft tissue therapists, the man himself. 
Um, I'm so excited about that. It's going to be great. What a great, important topic. I can't, it's going to be amazing. So uh, make sure you uh, follow us on social media uh, across the board and uh, keep an eye out for guests coming up. We've got a fantastic guest coming up and a few more little surprises as well. So do keep your eyes open and do share our posts and everything. So for the first time ever in, in the history of this podcast, I'd like to say thank you to our guests last week, um, Ove Indergaard and Mike Rice. Fantastic show. Really recommend you uh, watch it. Um, and also I'd like to say thank you to this week's guest, Ove Indergaard and Mike Rice. Um, I hope you're looking forward to it. Um, in case you're not sure of these two, um, then uh, Ove Indergaard is clinical director of Indergaard Physiotherapy. You can find them across um, Twitter and Facebook. Mike Rice, um, a lot of you in the STA will already know of. He's been on the show before. Um, owner, educative director or education director of Movement Therapy Education and a lot more fish to fry as well. So Mike is here as well. Um, if you're joining us live either on YouTube or Facebook, then obviously you are able to leave questions and comments. I can bring these up on the screen. So if you if it does get a bit unclear what we're talking about, if you listen to the podcast, it's because this is a live recording. We do it all live it's it's necessary um because we like the reactions we like we don't like this cut edit say that again put in some music take it out no 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 no. this is all raw as it happens no pre-planned questions or answers as you can probably tell by my warbling on so if you do want to say hello get your brand out there then join us live um as emma victoria wardle here is hey emma thanks for joining us and emma morris and harry chambers and becky carroll and Catherine reimer and another 42 people already in the house so um without further ado i think that sets the scene we're going to have part two of shockwave therapy uh with uve indegaard can't remember how i said it first over or something uve indegaard and mike rice Gentlemen, good evening. Back again. How are you doing? <laughs> you should have just kicked in the, in the internet land somewhere and just come over. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. So kind. Um, obviously, we didn't know whether you'd be able to, but I really appreciate it because the, the feedback from last week has been incredible. Um, is that nice to hear or all positive? As in, I want more information. Is that a good thing? I think I so. Think, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had, uh, I had loads of messages afterwards. Loads. Did James Morgan contact you? He contacted me. Did he contact you? Yeah, I think so. Did he contact you as well? He's contacted he called Gary up as well. <laughs> James here tonight? He called my wife and he's never even met my wife before. <laughs> so, uh, James, hope you're here tonight as well. Um, right, so yes, people, uh, there was some great feedback. Now, I don't know what feedback you've had, obviously, but to give you a little summary, and I'm, I'm sure people in here, I know people in here contacted me, but there was a right mixture of things. Um, the people who there's a few people who contact oh james is here hey uh, hey james hey james. <laughs> you don't mind me calling you out like that um james has already said actually it's gonna be the james morgan show tonight james just says any therapist in exeter i could do one in my clinic so now he's got it and he's recruiting so that's good james <laughs> see you mate um no i got some people who aren't here tonight uh, i got a couple of them were saying geez you let them off easy didn't you matt like as if i was supposed to produce these i think i did my fair share on being a little bit cynical and i started off with a what's the difference between that and ultrasound kind of thing and i think you answered them really well i think that's one of the great things that you did you two did do last week you didn't say this is the answer to everything and everybody should have it 
and you did exactly the opposite. So I did reply to those people who did send me a, a little bit of, oh, they got off way too easy with suitable replies. Uh, but there'll still be some tricky questions, I hope, tonight for myself and people in there who aren't quite convinced. One of them was, yeah, OK, right, so there's a bit of evidence for it. Fair enough. We know how evidence is. But Jesus, expensive. Seriously? So that's going to be one of the things we can hopefully talk about tonight. Um, if anyone in the audience has got that question as well, um, then obviously bring that up. What else did I hear? Um, oh, that was interesting. I heard some people were actually generally worried about the training and about hurting others. Um, that was a couple that I didn't expect, um, as in even with training, because we don't know that much about it and it's relatively new, is it can be caused danger to people and stuff like that. So we got lots to talk about tonight. Um, <laughs> James Morgan has already said, shut up. There you go. So where do we start, guys? Um, where would you like to start? Do you want to ask a question or is there anything you'd like to say about the feedback you got? I think there's some interesting questions that you got there um, and some important topics that needs to be addressed. You can start wherever you like then. How about the how about the expense? That was a big one. How much is it going to... That seems to be a big kind of door closer for a lot of people. It's just going to be way too expensive. And maybe they haven't even looked. I mean, I looked online here to give you an idea. I Googled it because I suppose that's what everyone's going to do and i just looked at kind of the first four or five or something and the price is kind of ranged i'm not sure how well people are going to see this if i put it on full screen you can't see this on the podcast but i'm just putting like a google result where i put in eswt and um, shockwave therapy and the prices ranged from kind of three grand to 800 uh, 1400 there was one down the bottom there which was 14 grand i don't know what that one does um but what is the situation with prices and why is there such a difference I think, um, first of all, the, the, you know, the technology in itself um, is traditionally quite expensive to acquire. Um, so I, before we went on the last podcast, I actually inquired with, um, with Stortz of how much the machines actually used to cost about 15 years ago when they started to become quite popular. Um, and the price back then for a radial shockwave was £20,000 plus that. Mm. Um, and a focus machine was 40000 so these are, these are the times when Shockwave was starting to become popular, get nice approval and all these things. And, and consultants were charging £300 per session for, for Shockwave. Um, these days, the price have come down massively um, by the top manufacturers uh, out there. And you can get a basic radial machine for around about £8,000 um, from, from Storts. Um, I think the Chattanooga one starts about 10000 uh, I'm not entirely sure about EMS, but then you also do have um, eBay and China, um, and there are a few Chinese um, manufacturers out there. Um, I get followed on Instagram by quite a few, some Turkish ones um, as well. Um, and, you know, the, 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 there's a couple of things to think about. One, um, you don't know about the durability of, of the machines. They haven't really been tested. They're not used in the research. Um, the second thing of all would be... Um, are they, are they um, actually safety tested in this country? Have they got the CE marking, which is really, really important because that means that you are actually allowed to use it on humans. Um, and um, then the third thing is, is um, does it actually say what, it, what it's meant to do? So um, a client of mine actually has a clinic and he bought a shockwave machine um, from China. It cost him a thousand pounds and it um, took him I think it, uh, the machine did one hertz, so basically one pulse per second. So uh, the average radial will do somewhere between 
um, uh, well, I guess six, but around, you were usually using about 10 hertz um, to the muscle treatments that we do, maybe 15 to 17 hertz. Um, and so one hertz, so if to get the dosage that you need for um, an effective treatment, which is usually around about 2,000 pulses, it would take um, an awful long time to, to get there. Um, and so he used to give um, 600 pulses because that took him 10 minutes. Um, and that was it for his treatment. Um, and so you, you can't then compare the uh, um, the treatment that you're getting uh, and the effects that you should be getting with uh, the, the kind of the more studied approaches of um, the established manufacturers. That's really interesting. We yeah. had, a, had a bit of a chat as well before we came, um, went live. And um, uh, so one of my guys in my team, um, he went on one of the courses went to put shockwave onto his insurance and and Balens were then starting asking a lot of questions about our setup and um that this was one of the one of the kind of reasons why um, we're looking into uh, the training in a bit more detail because he's a sports therapist so um and the the questions came from Balens about the CE marking making sure the um the machine um had a CE marking but also the maintenance and um uh, upkeep of the machine so do, did you have a service contract in place or do you have records of your maintenance that you that you do so there, there's quite a lot to think about when you get one of these machines it's not just get buying it and then that's it there, there's a there's an ongoing cost and um i know that it's um the the price per session is often um bulked at but there's a lot of ongoing costs with with using the, um, these machines. We we have to make sure to, uh, that we've maintained them so that they're they're safe to use. So um, yeah, it's interesting that the insurers now are starting to start to ask those questions. Yeah, we have we have the same with physio as well. So when we went to register with Bupa for doing shockwave therapy, um, we had to specify the manufacturer and also, like you said, that that you have a maintenance contract in place. Um, because you do need that ongoing maintenance. You have moving parts, they're going to break down, mm -hmm. and you've got to make sure that the machine actually puts out the energy that it's supposed to be putting out. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I just want to point out to people listening and in, in um, the room tonight, you, you guys aren't involved in the sale of any particular machine at all. You're not involved in sales at all, are you? No. Um, and, no and, I mean, and what what's your reason for that? I mean, if people want security and they trust you why not just say well look this is the one you need um we, sorry mate uh, but we, we had, we, yeah we had a bit of a um a chat about that i think i think it was um just after last week's session and uh the, the last thing i i wanted to do was to blur the lines between the manufacturer or the provider in the in this country um, that i used um and and the training that i deliver uh, I, uh, I wanted to keep it completely separate so that there was no chance that my my ethics could ever be brought into question. I'm not trying to push the sale of the machine onto anybody. Um, I don't get any commission for any sale of any machine and I didn't want any either. Um, it's not it's not something that I wanted to get involved in. And similarly, I mean, I, I actually teach for one of the manufacturers, so you could say that I'm a little bit biased on that account. Um, however, we again, we don't get any commissions on sales. Uh, we're hired in to do the educational side of things, um, and that's as far as our relationship goes. Uh, now, because I'm comfortable using their equipment, which is also why I teach for them, um, I'm happy to advise people on their type of equipment and my experience with, with that. Um, I don't hold back um, if there's some of their 
equipment that isn't worth investing in. Yeah. Um, I also tell people that I don't want people to waste their money. Um, so if somebody comes to me and says, well, what do I need as, you know, as a basic setup or what would it actually need? We talk about that on the training course as well. You know, the different options that you, you have and, um, and, but it, you know, it comes down to credibility at the end of the day. I think mm-hmm. if we were seen to be taking money from, um, a sale of a machine or whatever, then I think our credibility would be pretty low. Um, and that's something that we need to avoid. You know, we want to come across as healthcare practitioners. Um, providing other healthcare practitioners with some decent advice. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I think that's where a lot of distrust of, of equipment comes because you go to like a rather large, I don't know, therapy exposition of some form and and you do see them. It's almost like secondhand car salesman, isn't it? There's the suit and the chat and the talk and the and and people just don't trust it. So no, it makes great sense that you're not and, and as you said, I mean you jumped me to it, you beat me to it, but on the course I imagine a lot of people are asking, okay, so what equipment should I buy, guys? What are some of the factors that people should take into consideration when they are investing in a machine, depending on what they choose? What are some of the things they need to consider? Um, for me, uh, because the cost is so high, um, there's there's the effectiveness of the equipment, um, first of all, as in, um, will they actually do what I want it to do? Um, when you look at the research studies, there's uh, two or three manufacturers that uh, most of the research has been uh, been uh, done by, if you like, or rather that the equipment has been used in those studies. Um, and EMS and Storts are probably the two biggest ones. Um, Chattanooga um, as well. Um, they they kind of um, they kind of buy the most of the equipment from Storts and repackage it as their Chattanooga DJO devices. Um, so they have a very similar technology and just a different look of it. Um, and then uh, there are a few studies out there on the others, but that was an important factor for me when I first invested. Um, I needed to know that I could get the results that was needed. Um, the second thing is durability. You want that equipment to last a long time when you first make that that first purchase. Um, again, it's about your investment and making sure that your investment will actually be there in six months' time or a year. And then the second part of that is, do you have a company that will actually help to support you um, after you bought it so that you can maintain that machine in a good uh, operational uh, way so that and you have access to repairs, you have access to servicing, you have access to emergency repairs. You know, your machine breaks one day, you know, the next day you've got five clients booked in for Shockwave. What do you do? Do you cancel them all and wait two weeks until the service engineer comes to visit you? Or can you pick up a phone to somebody and actually get some help and they can send somebody out that day or you can get a replacement part you know sent in the mail or whatever so there's lots of factors like that to to think about what do you think mike yep Uh, for me it was um uh it's who do you normally see what kind of patients do you normally see and for me i was seeing a lot of tendinopathies so um i've got a lot of uh, links with triathlete clubs with running clubs and um you know coming coming in again and again and again and then i did my research around um i looked at things like um i looked at laser i looked at and and then i looked at shockwave those are the main two really and uh the shockwave evidence was um uh, superior for me um for uh, tendinopathy presentation so um that that's why i chose it uh, for my clinic um it it suited my client base so i I, you know so it's always a bit of a risk when you when you do invest um, that much money um but uh 
uh, I had the client base there that I could that I could use it on. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I just want to check. So I just seen a comment that uh, Rob Rob Puds has said. Um, is there an echo? I can't hear an echo, Rob. I'm just checking if someone else in the listening live can tell me if there's an echo or not. Because it's too good to miss. I don't want to have to spend hours in audacity here. Is everybody else okay when you're hearing? I'll wait for someone to put something in the comments. That's a really good point. I like that, Mike. So it depends on. So you've already mentioned if if you see a lot of your clientele with tendinopathies of some form, um, then that could be a, a sign that that's good. So who who do you think it wouldn't be apart from? I've got a couple of questions here. What, what order should I put them out with? First of all, there are payment plans, aren't there? You can pay it bit by bit because it is quite a lot of money. So is that something you've got to watch out for, or are the payment plans kind of quite reasonable and uh, something to think about <laughs> that's that's a difficult one because i have no idea um right. i can only tell you my experience with that i um i put down a little bit of a deposit on my first machine and then i took out a loan with funding circle mm -hmm. um, to pay for the rest of the machine um and paid it back that way i found you know some finance um there are medical finance companies out there who who will help you out with this and they'll give you a quote on on buying it i mean i think my loan was 170 180 pounds a month over three years or something like that which um i made my calculations and thought well i can see x amount of people per week and, and if i saw two or three patients per week over a month that would pay for the machine and and initially that was my my goal it was literally just to cover the cost of the machine and to have another offering in the clinic um and so you know when you then break it down like that it doesn't seem such a big investment as long as you've got the clients there mike's absolutely right if if your clinic is full of tendinopathy um, clients and you have lots of runners and things like that coming in, then you're going to get get your use out of it because there are clients there who need need your help. Yeah. Can you remind me of what the success rate was? I think we were talking about plantar fasciopathy and that that's kind of pretty good in the. Is that the king of kind of the research at the moment? That's the one that's given the best results, or? So yeah, I mean the success rate, you know, in, in the various studies is somewhere between um, you know thirty five and eighty five percent depending on who you look at. But in terms of evidence-based, plantar fasciitis is probably one of the most evidence-based ones. Um, there's one study there by um, Wang from 2019, um, and it, that looks at the, uh, 356 studies. So there's 356 placebo-controlled trials that have been put together in the systematic reviews. And that was the one I mentioned um, last time about where they looked at the optimal treatment um, intensity for plantar fasciitis. Um, and so they had 800, nearly 870 individual patients included in those trials. Um, and compared to placebo from three, six, and 12 months, um, Shockwave outperformed the placebo uh, significantly. Um, so, you know, the, in terms of evidence base, you know, that that's, that's pretty high. Um, you know, if you can name me another treatment for plantar fasciitis who has 356 placebo controlled trials then you know then that'd be really great to, to see um there's another study as well which is uh, you know it's one of these network meta-analysis where they looked at eight different treatments as well for plantar fasciitis um and you know when you're looking at um, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories to prp steroid injections uh, dry needling autologous uh, you know whole blood injections um, and out of all of those treatments, the, the shockwave again at, at both uh, at all intervals, I guess from from six months and onwards, um, was significantly better than any of those treatments. 
I think what we'll do, I mean, obviously, I've got some studies here which you've sent me, which I've enjoyed reading and looking into, but I think it's not kind of like a cherry picking thing, but I think it'd be useful for people. If, if I bring up the ones that's about six or seven, if you flick through them and we'll just say what they're called for people listening to podcasts and you can tell us briefly what those studies, how those studies have helped um, you kind of make your decisions. We'll bring them up in a sec. Um, Sarah, da, 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 no, where were we? Yes, Sarah says, sorry if I missed it. How much is a machine in general? What kind of price bracket did we put for machines, people? I think, I think it's, around, it's around about the 12k mark for a radial device yeah, it's somewhere between there uh, sort, of, um, sort of 8 to 12 uh, depending on the manufacturer you go for um yeah. and then if you're after a focused device then it's up towards the sort of 18 20 i think is around that kind of area yeah between 18 and 25 grand depending on the manufacturer okay so no more expensive there small bed sitting last yeah. <laughs> yeah, just on, on what uh uber said about the funding um for it so uh, uh through my clinic i i use um i use paypal for everything and this isn't i'm not I, I have no commission with paypal either uh but what they they do a capital uh repayment scheme where if you take if you if all of your income comes through paypal they will lend you capital investment money so uh, when I very first opened my clinic, I was able to borrow a, like £2,000, I think it was, and I was able to buy a squat rack uh, with some weights. And then um, every, uh, every um, payment then I put through PayPal, they took 30% of my payments going through. So I didn't actually have a fixed monthly fee. It was based on what I was bringing in. So it was a lot more flexible than, um, than the, the loans that you usually get. And uh, and then I just got another one and then I got another one and then I had enough sort of um, income then from building everything in the clinic to then get a shockwave device. And that and that's how I did it. Um, and um, yeah, just and paid that money off then 30 percent off every single um, uh, person coming in. So it's um, it made it a lot more manageable. Brilliant. That's great. The power of STA networking ideas. <laughs> so that's really yeah, really, really useful to know. Um, James Morgan, I think we said that. Let's just check. We mentioned about the Chattanooga, didn't we, as a manufacturer? What did you say there? Was it they they buy from? They usually buy the, the parts, um, all the moving parts and hand pieces and stuff from from stores, um, mm. and then they reassemble. They have different software. They have a different look of the machine and things like that. But like the hand piece and everything is um, is more or less a, a, a stores device. Cool. Hope that helps, James. Um, all right, let's do that. If that's right with you, I'm going to bring these up. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put them on full screen so people can actually see them on their computer or phone or something. And either of you can kind of chime in and just say, well, why you sent this to me, how you think it helps, comment on the study. A couple of you already mentioned already. Let's bring them up. Um, let's put them on full screen so people can actually see more or less. So this was the effect of focused extracorporeal shockwave therapy on myofascial pain syndrome of trapeze. Was that, no, that was my one, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the one that you sent through to me. <laughs> that was the one which actually I was sent, which people will probably see because it does its rounds on social media. So it's not bad bringing this up. In fact, this is really good because it shows I'm not cherry picking. This is one which you'll probably see. It's been pasted by a few sceptical people. Um, yeah. And um, its conclusions are there is very low level evidence that focused ESWT is effective in short term relief of neck pain in MPS um, or myofascial pain syndrome of trapezius. Um, no, I haven't read the paper, um, and um, my my comment to you, as I men mentioned to you last week when we just chatted about it, is that myofascial pain syndrome is probably not the core 
treatment that you will be using your shockwave device for. Um, it's a very so, um, in, in terms of, um, you know, remember the ISMST, the International Society for Medical Shockwave Therapy, mm -hmm. uh, they classify things in terms of uh, basic indications to more advanced indications. And uh, the myofascial pain syndrome comes in as a um, more advanced indication, which one means that there's a little bit inconclusive um, evidence for it as well. It's not as strong as it is for the ones that are the bit considered the basic indications. And um, most of the tendinopathies that we certainly talk about in our courses, which is the kind of the, the top six um, conditions, which is plantar fasciitis, Achilles, patellar tendinopathy, uh, gluteal tendon problems uh, or pain syndrome, um, tennis elbow, and calcific tendinopathy of the shoulder. Those are the kind of the most evidence-based conditions within uh, MSK that you would start using your shockwave machine for. Um, so myofascial pain syndrome is not really something that you do treat um, in, in isolation. Um, I think I gave you a link to another paper that showed that is equally effective to, um, to other treatments like dry needling and, 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 and such. Um, for it um, and you know and that's again it's it's um, it's you know it's 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 evidence for and against and if you want to cherry pick then you know we can all cherry pick I guess um, and find something that refutes something else uh, but like I said it's, it's not really a core condition that you would you would necessarily treat um, it might be something that you try to treat I mean um, we have some great results with radial shockwave for uh, people's back pain um, after disc problems. You know, once they've had their disc kind of symptoms have recovered, but they haven't really um, um, started to engage their muscles properly down there and they're still in that protective muscle spasm, um, we can then reduce the muscle tone in there and actually start to educate proper movement there again. Um, so then sometimes it helps, but it's not something that if somebody comes in with a bit of neck pain and you've got a tight muscle there, that I would reach my shockwave device and and, and use that on. Brilliant. So bear that in mind, people, when you're looking at social media, shared papers and things to and fro from kind of normally polarized arguments, just check. It's not going to solve everything. It's not, no one argues that it's going to work wherever you put it on the body. So just check what part, what they're using it for. This is one you sent me, which answers a couple of emails I got about safety. Um, if you're, you, you can't see it, please, in the podcast, obviously, but it's the safety of shot weight therapy. Um, study 2700 heels in the systematic review talk us through this one then if you would one of you yeah i mean this is a slide from from uh, my uh, training course i guess um so that you know th this is just uh, this is one of two studies if you look at if you were to search for safety of um and complications of of shockwave therapy this this is one of the main ones that comes up and there aren't many that look at studies but um that look at the safety aspects of it because it's it's kind of widely regarded to be safe because most of the studies that you have will report adverse events and very few of them actually um, report it. So, but this one did. And so again, we're looking at plantar fasciitis and with the high amount of heels that's included in this. And out of those, I mean, there was two complications are precordial pain, which, you know, a heart uh, attack um, and skin infection. It's not something that uh, you would normally associate with shockwave. And again, the study actually um, looks at this and said, you know, the heart attack or the, the heart pain um, was not actually because of the, sh the shockwave, it was due to something else, but it was still reported. Um, and then we mentioned this last, this study actually last time where there was 
about 250 people who reported pain during treatment, which isn't unusual. It's not a sensation-free treatment. And so some discomfort is quite normal. Um, and the transient red skin after the treatment is, you know, you for radial therapy, a radial uh, shockwave therapy, you ha have a ballistic bullet that hits a piece of metal that then stimulates your skin. So to expect the skin to be a bit red is, is pretty normal. Mm -hmm. But then you, you, what you're interested in is, does it cause any complications long-term? Does it cause any things like ruptures and things like that? And it doesn't. Um, and so, you know, there, it, it is a very, very safe treatment. Fantastic. Okay, so we'll look forward here. Uh, we're looking at short and intermediate term results of extracorporeal shockwave therapy for non-insertional Achilles tendinopathy. Uh, what was it about this session, this uh, paper? So this is a, um, a relatively new paper from 2021, which is <clears throat> one of the reasons why I wanted to, to include it. We talked about how new evidence is, is a little bit more um, real world than the old type, which tend to focus on um, shockwave in isolation. So this study obviously looked at um, two groups. So it's a double-blind RCT level one study. Um, and both groups had already failed conservative management. Um, so, you know, that's a, often a real-world scenario that we see. And so the control group then continued doing specific eccentric training and stretching um, on the Achilles. And the other group did then shockwave in addition to the same treatment protocol. Um, and at one month, Shockwave outperformed the control group um, and still better at 16 months. Um, and, you know, this uh, reverberates other evidence out there, which has been there for a little while now, which you can see in, there's a great review that obviously gets used a lot, which is done by Kariakis, uh, uh, which is uh, from the BJSM, um, 2015, I think it was, which then concluded exactly the same, that Shockwave um, combined with exercise actually outperforms exercise alone. Um, and this is just another study, but it, you know, again, it's, it's the fact that it's such a high level study. It's the fact that they had already, you know, failed the conservative management and then, um, the, 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 the sign. So this is after four weekly sessions of relatively high bar pressure, but it's the mid portion of the Achilles. So that's not unusual and 2000, 2000 pulses, um, on the, on the, the main, uh, on the main area. Fantastic. And these will form part of, like you say, the education and the courses you do just to keep people informed. Exactly. So um, I think the important bit here is, is um, you, you know, I think we spoke off um, off camera about why would you need to come on a training course? Um, and, the, you know, the machines are safe. So in theory, you could aim it just about anywhere and get away with it. Um, the training comes where you want to be more effective. Um, where you want to be able to um, clinically justify where you're putting it and how much you're putting it uh, on there and knowing the nuances between um, treating it in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So it's it's understanding the equipment better, getting the most out of the, the big investment that you've made. And then, you know, we go through safety aspects. We go through um, all the evidence that's that's there as well to get you started. And then, you know, uh, there are more advanced courses you can do as well. Um, which then goes deeper into certain areas and also shows you more of the advanced stuff that you can do and get, get away with with your machine. Brilliant. Mike, I want to give a shout out to you, actually, because I mean, I saw something just recently. Yeah. Um, you actually got a course for people, particularly sports therapists, who aren't that savvy on understanding research. I saw that yeah. somewhere. Tell us a little bit about that, because that kind of fits in quite nicely now for people who yeah, see papers and go, oh, 
So there's um, yeah, there's a bit of a, a bit of a gap with the um, the sort of level three, level four, e- even into the level five courses for uh, soft tissue, where um, there's there's no real uh, education on how to search the literature, um, how to uh, appraise the literature, um, even kind of where to start really, but with anything, even um, getting a database which is like a kind of medical Google. And then working out, well, how the heck do I find the papers that I need to find? How do I do keywords to narrow searches down? Because if I if you type in hamstring rehab into um, BJSM, you'll come up with about you know hundred thousand papers. So how do you narrow those down into the ones that are going to be useful uh, for you? But then also because they know then how to do that, they will then be able to appraise papers like this in a in a in a much better way because they'll understand the process that these guys will have had to go through. And um, and especially when you read a literature review. So if you read a, um, a review of many different papers, then why did they choose their pa- those papers? Why did they include some and then um, exclude others? And would you have made that decision? So it's not about being right or wrong. It's about um, just being critical about what you're reading. And, um, and yeah, so it was, it's, based on the stuff that I used to teach when I when I was teaching at um, university on the uh, sports therapy degree so it's uh, it's that it's that kind of first year uh, undergraduate level uh, research methods so um, yeah it's um, I've, hopefully I'll put it in a in a nice uh, a nice package so that people can uh, can get to the end of it well by the end of it you'll be able to do a CASP review uh, so using the critical appraisal tool um, of a systematic review. So that, that that's what you'll be able to do at the end. So. Brilliant. Sounds good. I'll make sure links get put out for that. Um, but I think there's already some posts in the uh, Sports Therapy Association website somewhere. I'm sure I've seen it. I'm sure I saw it there. Um, we had a question here from Sarah. Um, you could read the paper, Sarah, but why bother? I'm sure that one of these gentlemen has the answer yeah. for that. Four weekly sessions for how many weeks? Yeah, let me just clarify that that's four sessions done weekly, not four in that one week. It does sound like a lot, yeah. Four sessions done weekly. Yeah, yeah. so one session a week for four weeks. Can, um, I, can I just add, Matt, as well yeah. on that? So we're, we're, um, Uva's mentioned it a few times as well, and I think this is a real big consideration if you're going to invest in a machine. Um, I I did a tendon course a little while ago with Pete Maliaris, and um, yeah, he... Uh, we were at the Royal Orthopaedic Hospital in Birmingham and uh, and we, we he was like, right, let's get into the gym and let's load some tendons. And they had TheraBand. And that was it. <laughs> so if, if you if you are going to use uh, these machines and you're going to use it in a way that's um, that f- follows the evidence, then you need to have the right kind of setup. So you have access to properly rehab these people as well um so that that that's got to be a consideration if you're if you're buying this kit just to make sure pete was i imagine horrified at that it wasn't like he only asked for therabands he was just as surprised as you were, i guess <laughs> yeah yeah we just had, checking that you were, to, it sounded like to. you were criticizing one of his courses like no no his course yeah. was amazing but yeah, you, you, had to, yeah. you had to we, we were sitting on each other's legs to do soleus yeah work, yeah because there course. was no, there was nothing to load us yet so it's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, keep the questions coming, people. I think actually Sarah as well has got a question just specifically about 
um, a particular bit of equipment. I'll read it out so podcast people can hear. I have access to a Zimmer N-Pulse Pro radial 1 to 22 hertz. I'd appreciate an opinion before I offer it out. I'd rather offer a valuable treatment as opposed to poor quality with poor equipment. Familiar with that or? Um, I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with it. I've never used one. Um, I mean, Zimmer is a, a reputable brand. Um, the way that machine works is different to the other radials on the market um, as it's uh, electromagnetic, I think. So there's no com compressor involved there. So there's no air pressure. Um, but that's as much as I know about, about the machine. Um, I think it's slightly cheaper as well. Um, I think it might be like five, six thousand um, to buy if somebody was looking at one of them. But it's it's uh, um, like I said, an electromagnetic. So it's it's um, the machine is no bigger than one of the old ultrasound machines, um, right. which then creates the the pulse. But uh, in terms of effectiveness, I, I don't know it. Um, in terms of the research studies on it, I, I don't think I've seen more than maybe one session on it, and I didn't pay much attention to it because it generates the, the the force in a different way to equipment that i tend to use um so yeah i mean it's it's uh it's a difficult one to to comment on really but i guess if it's four grand cheaper than in theory it's missing something it's tricky to slice four grand off isn't there without taking out a fairly essential components probably, of the thought. In, the, in the expense of the the compressor yeah. uh, you know and, and um producing the, the that that level of equipment um mm. so um, i'd like i said i, I cannot comment on the effectiveness of it because i've never really used one so what you can do is do mike's research course and then do an appraisal <laughs> and the evidence is out there for that particular machine then come back we'll have you on in say three weeks or something and you can talk to us about it great Perfect. talk to us about the course that's what we need sir if you're up for it just email me matt uh, yeah that'd be fine um okay any more questions from people out there because i don't want to monopolize it myself um, I just want to there's a few more things which you brought up. Let's bring this one up. I'll put it big screen so people can see it. Um, the efficacy of different energy levels used in focus and radial extracorporeal shockwave therapy in the treatment of plantar fasciitis. Yeah, um, that's the reference um, to the paper we talked about with the 356 randomized exactly. trials. Yeah. Um, I think I put in your host chat, I think I put the link to that. If you, you can share that if you want to, if somebody Brilliant. was asking about it on the chat, I think. Okay, we'll do that. Actually, I've got it there um oh, i can't copy and paste it we'll make sure that it goes in there okay brilliant and um bum, 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 a journey of cellular physiology comparison of efficacy of eight treatments for plantar fasciitis and that, that was the network meta-analysis yeah um fine yeah this one exactly uh the one you just had up there there we go so gtps is obviously a very tricky condition to to treat and um you know that this study came out last summer and Previously, we've had, um, there is evidence for radial. This is a shock, a focus shockwave treatment. Um, radial uh, usually works within five or six treatments and has a success rate of around about 80%. Uh, this study came out last summer um, and it was three sessions done weekly um, combined with good quality rehab. And it was um, a significant uh, reduction in pain with an 86.6% .6 success rate that was maintained for over six months. Um, and you know that's that's great. That's a, that's an amazing study and uh, published in one of the top journals in the world, the uh, Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Um, the other thing, you know, that we, we we talk loosely about this on the course as well. The gold standard for rehabilitation for um, for GTPS is um, the LEAP trial, 
so the LEAVE trial uh, had 14 supervised physio sessions over eight weeks. Um, and so when you then compare, you know, something like the cost of, of that to a patient, if you were to follow the LEAVE trial, and it, it's both impractical. I mean, most of my patients can't come for three times a week, one week, um, or let alone four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this this fits much better into a private practice scenario where you can literally get people in three times um, over three weeks, and you can then get a success rate of nearly 90%, which is tremendous in comparison. Um, so I, th- I do, you know, I th- it, we talked about this, you know, not everybody needs to have a shockwave device to be successful. Um, I think it adds something extra to your practice. Um, and for certainly for those patients who are tricky to, to get better, those 20, 30% that struggle to f- find the improvement, um, shockwave can be the, the thing that makes a difference. Um, and there is evidence out there to, to show that, but you know, you don't have to invest thousands into this. Like we did, Mike was saying earlier, it's got, got to do with your client group who you normally see, who are going to come into you and ask for this treatment. Um, um, and then that should guide you really whether it's a worthwhile investment. Because, um, oh, you know, over three years, five years, um, that £8,000 or £10,000 gets broken down into much smaller chunks. Um, excuse me. Um, gets broken down to smaller chunks and then it's much more manageable. It's, um, see, I look at that and because I've got, I, I, I see a lot of clients with pain around there and greater trochanteric pain syndrome. And slowly I'm thinking, I don't know what rehab exercises they had along with this, but that seems really important because something like this, we know that if you're doing anything which can potentially compress and, and irritate the tendon that can slow down recovery so with runners particularly we're looking for maybe a tilt of the pelvis or something and so we're looking at that on gait analysis and maybe speeding up cadence or something to try and reduce that tilt or whatever it is um, and the same as if they're doing exercises where they are kind of shoving that hip out or typical things which a lot of other physios or sports therapists will give them like leg abductions and dropping the leg or sleeping at night yeah. or crossing the legs so it's all, I think it's a it's, it's all very well having this, but if you're not giving the right rehab along the side, you could just be making it feel great and then giving them an exercise where they are irritating that tendon, for example, whatever it is, and then going around in circles. So it's really important what they're doing alongside it, which is what you said last week, wasn't it? It's not a magic thing by itself. It, it has some success rate with it in, in isolation, but it's much better when you add it with the appropriate rehab. Mm-hmm. You know, for GTS, for instance, as you just explained there, um, there are so many factors to, to think about. You know, activity modification is one of them. Making sure that you're not overly compressing that tendon during, you know, sleep and all those things is, is huge things. And then in the athletic population, looking at other factors that's leading to um, them having the problems as well. So, yes, yeah, so much more to it than just sticking a machine on, on somebody. But yeah, but managing to help calm it down before you build it up sort of thing is, is the big thing which holds a lot of people back. So this is maybe where this jumps in. Very interesting. Mike, it's more clinical practice, exactly that point there where, you know, you do manage to reduce that pain and you improve function pretty quickly. Yeah. Loading seems to become smoother. The, the session on session, loading is easier to go through with less pain. People adhere better to their exercises um, and you then get a, a good outcome. Oh, definitely. With plantar fasciopathy, it's, we all talk about loading and that, but then when you've actually got it yourself and you're trying to do heavy loading 
and you then you think you haven't done that much you wake up the next morning you can't get out of bed again and you're like what is this all about it's not definitely strength training is not the answer to all of these conditions as well yeah I very interesting client this, um, this afternoon um she's had um plantar fasciitis since june last year uh, completely ignored it she was walking around in in wellies for three months um and ended up getting it and then continued walking the dog for two hours a day um kept on doing that until around about december time uh, where the pain started getting worse and to the point where she couldn't walk every day anymore she cut it down to just once every other day but didn't actually stop altogether she then went to see a um uh, an, an advanced physio practitioner in the nhs actually who then told her to change her activities a little bit um and to seek out shockwave um and she came in and she said, um, normally I would walk in with crutches because I can't actually put my foot to the ground. And she would proper hobbled um, into the room. Um, she had evidence of um, a CT scan, which showed bone edema um, and plantar fasciitis. Mm -hmm. um, and so we decided to, to go ahead and, and treat it. And, you know, she walked out of here with being able to put a foot on the ground and walk in a normal gait pattern after the first session. Um, now that not all of that will maintain, as I explained to her, sometimes you get this hyperstimulation analgesia, which is great because one, you know, you're hitting the right spot where, you know, you're going to get some, some effect. And then gradually that, um, that process then gets better and better with repeated treatments. Um, but you know, the, the fact that she, one, got the relief from it, something can be done with it. Mm -hmm. um, she was worried about needing to go for surgery. She didn't want to have steroid injections. Um, and so, you know, she then had looked around and found us for some chocolate therapy. So, you know, the smile on her face when she walked out was immense and the relief on her face as well from being able to put a foot on the ground for the first time in, in a couple of months. Yeah, put a price on that, people. Priceless. See, <laughs> worried about the investment. That's great. But I just want to make sure that no one out there measures the success of their treatment by how the patient feels at the end of that session because you can hit them <laughs> with a wet kipper and sing kumbaya my lord and they might feel better afterwards but but yeah it's good to see that it does i mean i i was recommended shockwave after they i had um some ultrasound um a scan and that and they saw an edema and they saw a build-up and they saw the bit of degeneration and the first thing he suggested when to see a specialist with shockwave and i was like how much and eventually i got over it but it took me like a good seven months of running and thinking oh, i'm broken and worrying i'm getting old and all this sort of stuff so you probably can get through it, but if you want to get it done, recover quicker, and get back to your chosen activity, then this is maybe where it gets in. Yeah, Mike, come on. You haven't said anything for a while. You've got the hat. You've got the background. Hit us. So, um, I love that background. Yeah, well, I wanted to have a chat a little bit about what uh, Gary mentioned last week about the um, the education, because I think, uh, did you have some questions about, about that or some comments about that in the week as well? Some people saying, why do we need to get trained in it? Because it's, it's, it's... Yeah, there was that. I mean, that was one of the people, again, thinking of ultrasound, aren't they? Ultrasound, even at level, I can't remember which one is. I think level four ultrasound and heat modalities introduced. And you're sent away to do these massive mathematical equations of how much it should be and how deep it should be and multiply this. And then everyone goes to clinic and they just switch it on and the patients are happy and they kind of forget about all of these equations. So some people kind of think this is going to be the same thing. You do training, how to use it, but ultimately you just stick on some gel, finding something that doesn't make it too painful for them and rubbing it around. So yeah. some people dismiss it. Basically, I paraphrase what they said, but 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. training with regards to using the equipment, Uwe's kind of said that you need to be specific, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think um, I think it all depends on your original training, uh, whatever you had uh, when you very first qualified. So if you covered a similar kind of syllabus, then you will um, and and you're able to appraise the literature, then you can read these papers and then you can use the knowledge you've already got from your original qualification that you've been assessed uh, doing. And then you can apply that knowledge to a new modality. Um, the problems occur, I think, where you you've never done any anything like this before. And um, you and again, like you said, you know, you go along to a therapy expo and then you've been convinced by a machine. A therapy so, exposition, not to single out any particular expo. But, yeah, I said a big therapy exposition. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, <laughs> yeah. uh, other, other expos are available. Yeah, expositions. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, but the uh, and that's the thing. And you don't really question it because you think, well, it must be OK for me because, you know, they're willing to sell it to me. But the, the manufacturers have no idea about your qualification. They have no idea what you covered um and um so that i think it's really important that if you um if you don't know much about tendinopathy then you need to research tendinopathy because that, that's where the that's where the evidence lies within this modality so you need to know what that is you need to know about um how to um uh, the the differences in in the different devices um the uh, main difference between focus and the um the pressures that are uh, available in those machines compared to the radial machines uh, and you need to have you need to have a go you need to have a go and um, if you've never um, uh, never done anything like it before you need to know about um, uh, positioning of the patient the using of the um, the controls and setting everything up and um, I think I think it's really important I think if if you've done a degree or you've had that kind of electrotherapy training at level four level five you could probably get away with a one-day course um, but if you've not really had any of that training, then you, you're going to need something more in depth um, because the the issue is on the CPD training, you don't get assessed. And um, to show competency, you you have to have an assessment. So and uh, if you haven't had that, then that's something you really need to think about before, um, before uh, you in, invest in any mo modality, let, let alone shockwave. It sounds like I'm not just picking you up here, but it sounds like if you're going to go on a, a good course like you you guys do, you're going to learn a lot more than just about how to switch a machine on and off. There's a lot more around it where, like you said, you're going to brush up your information with regards to the information out there on tendinopathies and a, and a lot more um, rather than just switching a machine on. So um, just answering a question here. Bah, 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 bah. Penny has said, Penny Marie Newcomb, how... Uh, what do you charge for shockwave session please i looked it up on google it depends doesn't it there's packages but more or less what do you think the depends on the area i guess you live in but i think depending on the area um when you look at london prices and, and the rest um i think around about london parts i think you'd be lucky if you can get a standalone shockwave session without anything else for 100 pounds mm. uh, i think the average price down there is about 150. um that's not something we could get away with up here in yorkshire um you know, personally, I knew we charge sixty-five pounds, and that includes the rehab side of things as well. It's not just the, for the shockwave. Um, and to put that in, into context, um, we charge uh, nearly forty pounds for um, our physio session, um, and so it's an extra twenty-five pounds on top of that. Um, yeah. And what's the kind of? It's difficult. It depends on obviously the individual, but to give the 
the patient an idea of how many sessions they're going to need is there an idea you can give them or is it very much it depends on that the ISMST has recommendations for most conditions um, and it's somewhere between three and six treatments. Okay. Um, so quite often you would you would go and for an Achilles, mid-portion Achilles, you might just do three times um, weekly appointments um, and then you would then continue with the rehab and if you feel like you need to, if it was really stubborn, you might need to stimulate, stimulate it again. You might go a couple of weeks after that, do another session and then follow up session a couple of weeks after that again. Um, and that's that's pretty typical for most conditions. You can you, the, the the kind of um, the the thought is to, because you're trying to set uh, up these biological mechanotransduction processes, you need the th minimum of the three weekly sessions to um, to actually get those started. Um, but there are some interesting studies, like there's one in tennis elbow, which looked at uh, efficiency against surgery, so tenotomies and. Um, there was a 77% success rate, I believe, in surgery, and there was a 56% success rate in shockwave. Now, the interesting bit there was that it was a single course, a single treatment of shockwave that, that was compared to. Um, so that there are some studies out there who have done that as well. Um, I had a quick look today as well. There was another study on, I think, plantar fasciitis. I didn't have time to read it, but it was literally a single treatment of shockwave. Um, so there is probably some effect on pain with that, I would think. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of trying to, you know, reason out what you're doing and, and how you need to do it to get the effects that you're after, you probably need, need those minimum of three sessions. And that's, that's certainly what we recommend um, on, on our treatment courses. I wonder whether you actually get, because we all know that compliance is tricky. It's one of the things that delays recovery more than anything else. But I guess if you are using something which does make them able to walk out after the first session, you're going to get more of a buy-in. So as long as you explain this isn't fixing you, this means you now need to make sure you take this out. You know, yeah. Yeah. people it's hate it. I mean, you call it a window of opportunity and everyone jumps and you're saying that's a horrible expression. But if you can make that person happy, which I loved it. One of the one of the run chat lives I remember the conferences, Paul Coker, who I looked up, I think Cornwall, and he uses it down there. I can't remember which machine he's got, but he, he loves it. Paul Coke, he's been on the show. And he kind of, he was doing a talk about um, kind of passive modalities and are they really passive? And he says, for some reason, as soon as a patient likes something, we all kind of criticize and say, well, that we mustn't be using that then. He says, we, we've seen to forgotten as a profession that it's something, if a patient feels better after you give them, it doesn't matter what we give them to a certain extent, then we need to use that and work on it. So I think that's an important one, I imagine. You get the buy-in though, to listen to you and trust you with everything else you say. No, definitely. Just on the price, though, I've I've kind of changed my strategy um, a little bit. So um, I used to have like a shockwave package where I said, right, okay, if you want shockwave, then it's this. And we, we would have very similar pricing to you, Eva. So we'd be um, sort of around the 45 quid mark. Um, but now um, we I've moved all my prices up for every patient. So now I'm not met with that dilemma where I go, this person could probably do with shockwave. But if if I give it to you, it's going to be this much extra. I, do, I don't like that kind of confrontation. So now I go, right, okay, all my prices are 75. And if you need it, you get it. And if, if you don't, you don't. Um, so that kind of everybody pays for, for everything. So in terms of making your money back, um, that's um, that's a really um, a really nice way to, to do it. You've got that option there of, of that particular treatment and they don't feel pressures into into buying it um and that you yeah you just don't get that awkward um that awkward conversation good idea 
Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I've, seen, I've seen a couple of clinics do that. Um, it's, um, it's yeah, I, I feel bad for the people who don't need the shockwave. They're <laughs> 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 used, used to paying that at normal prices. That's taxes. It's just a tax system. How the country operates. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we just uh, we talk them through it and we explain the costs of it and we get consent for all of that before we even uh, you know start the treatment. Uh, so they're fully aware of what the full course of treatment could look like um, if they were to need, say, six as opposed to just a three. Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful, gentlemen. Well, look, I'm hoping it's all going to be quiet in the room. Still, everyone's there, but they're just kind of listening, I guess. Um, I think we've tackled a lot of the questions which you had sent in since last week. You guys have now got an idea about how much the equipment is going to cost, um, an idea of what to watch out for. Um, you've got an idea of different payment plans and PayPal, which will definitely uh, make sure we put some links and information on that, how much you can charge, etc. As far as the training goes, obviously, you guys um, – uh, offer that yourselves if people want information on what they've heard from you tonight and um, let me just bring up for people in the room your websites is it all on your website so people are interested or should they contact you some other way yeah my, mine's on the mte.education website yeah uh, let's just bring that up so people can see is it on that one yep that's one yeah brilliant okay so there we go if you listen to the podcast you got movement if you put movement therapy clinics um, into google then that will come up um, and you'll find information on that Fantastic. And Uwe, for you, is it a case of going to... Um, yes, contact me off my website. Um, there's no information there about Shockwave courses. Um, all the courses that I run, um, currently at least, is run through uh, Venn Healthcare, um, and where they, they now have a, a um, CPD structure, which, was, which has been expanded this year, where we talk about radial starter conditions and radial advanced conditions, and then we also have a focused option as well. So, um, but obviously, the, well, from what I understand from from you guys and Mike, is that the, you have a regulatory um, issue there for sports therapists, where mm-hmm. you need to make sure that you're actually uh, adequately trained and have a certification for that, uh, which is obviously different for physios and osteopaths and things where Shockwave does form part of our scope of practice, and we can use it um, as long as we are trained in that approach. Fantastic. So links to both of these gentlemen's websites are on last week's um, uh, notes uh, on Podbean. If you go to that one, that's where I'll put all the links and everything down there. We can put them in ST as well. Um, And trying to think if there's anything else we haven't covered yet. We've looked at the safety aspects, which people worried about. We've looked at the evidence. I think we've done pretty well on there. We've even delved into how, you know, Mike's course, um, which I imagine details on the website as well about if you want to understand a little bit more about how to wade through the evidence not just rely on what you see on Twitter and social media, because it's not great. It's even worse than just reading the abstract, looking at something on Twitter. It's like it's it, it gives you the chance to look at the paper, but it doesn't just stop there. So mm-hmm. um, no, Becky, not episode three. These gentlemen have a living, you know, <laughs> episode three question. Mark. No, not yet. The next episode will be I will give an episode to anybody who actually invests in um, this uh, shockwave treatment and maybe <laughs> use it for a month in clinic or something do your own kind of research there's not enough research done by actual people in clinics It'd be amazing if we did such a massive uh, population of people who could be offering stuff but um yeah i'd love to hear some people who do invested in it and we could even follow you your progress and yeah it'd be interesting so becky there you go i don't know how convinced you are now but if you are then you're up two months time we'll book you just after service service presentation on that bit of equipment she mentioned we're looking forward <laughs> to that before as well Right, gang, um, thank you very much. Anything you need to add, Mike, or 
Uwe, no, all good. Yeah, I think um, over two sessions, I think we've covered everything. <laughs> well, I'm hoping this is a pretty good, I mean, this isn't just for STA members, obviously. You don't have to be a member of the STA to listen to this anyway. Um, but um, so, yeah, people do use this. I hope this gets used to answer in, in other groups. I know I normally paste this in like the physiotherapist support group, Gemma's group. Um, and a few other places, anything that calls themselves kind of science-based sports therapy or science-based massage, I'll be there just chucking this stuff in. Um, so, but you guys as well, like um, there's up to about 40 of you. If you each tell two or three people, then that's kind of 120. So use these two episodes to inform anybody who's interested or condemns it without thinking about it. So um, Andy Davis here is getting in here doing the haggling already. There you go, Andy says, discounts for STA members for Shockwave Course, Mike? Question mark, to be continued. Um, for that, you need to ask. <laughs> right, gang, thank you very much for coming along. Uh, Mike and Uwe, thanks so much for being the first and um, probably the last for a while of just a double date in terms of information. Really kind of you. Thank you very much. It's a huge topic. You're welcome. Really, you've really cleared up a lot of um, kind of preconceived ideas I had I hope it's been the same for people listening and thank you people who join us live and um, we'll be back next Tuesday with um, another topic um, another expert from the field um, so do join us then uh, but for now after two hours of fantastic information on shockwave therapy um, thanks to Mike Rice and Uwe Indergaard we'll say good night and thank you very much Cheers. see you later thanks guys you're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.